and invite you all to be seated. Well, good morning once again. Glad to see everybody here for worship this morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Heights. Pastor Lee is in North Carolina this weekend. He's spending some time uh, helping out his mom and his dad after some uh, medical stuff that happened la uh, last week. And so uh, we'll continue to pray for him and recovery for, for, for his mom uh, and pray for travel mercies for him. Man, this was a, this was a, this was a tough week for me. Um, I knew going into this week, I knew that there was going to be a funeral on Monday, and I knew that we were going to say, uh, we were going to have the memorial service for Catherine's mom yesterday, and then I was going to be preaching on Sunday. So I knew it was going to be a busy week, uh, but I wasn't prepared for everything else that happened this week, and that was that during the course of this week, uh, we had two members of our worship team uh, who went to go be with Jesus this week. And so uh, before we dig into God's word this morning, I want to spend just a little bit of time uh, in prayer as a congregation, remembering uh, Miss, Miss Mary Baker, uh, who is, of course, uh, Yancey Bailey's mom. She went to go be with Jesus on Tuesday. And so we want to continue to pray for the Bailey family as they're going to be walking through that time. And then yesterday afternoon, uh, we got word uh, that Travis Terrell has gone to be with Jesus. And he's another guy that was part of our worship team, part of our choir, and part of our tech ministry. And so we want to, of course, be praying for uh, Kathy and the Terrell family uh, as they're going to be walking through that time together. Uh, again, I, I knew it was going to be a hard week. I just didn't know how hard. One of the scriptures that, that I have turned to frequently this week is, is Psalm 34. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saved the crushed in spirit. So I would invite you, uh, before, we into, before we dig into God's word this morning, let's pray together. Let's pray for uh, our church family and for our community. Lord, thank you so much for the chance to come together and worship you. Thank you for the chance to have fellowship with you and fellowship with one another. Lord, we want to continue to pray for our community. Lord, we know so many people right now who, who are sick and are in need of healing. And Lord, we pray comfort and the peace that passes all understanding for all those that are dealing with loss and grief right now. We want to pray especially uh, for Yancey and Walt and for their entire family. We want to pray for Kathy Terrell and her family. And Lord, we rejoice that Mary and Travis are with you, that they, are ne that they have uh, crossed over and they are now experiencing the everlasting life that comes from putting their faith and hope and trust in you. Lord, help us to be the hand, your hands and feet in your church as we seek to comfort those who are dealing with loss. Lord, thank you that you are a God who is near the brokenhearted. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm here this morning and we are going to finish chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. You know, believe it or not, we have been walking through 1 Corinthians as a church for the better part of five months. We started 1 Corinthians right after Easter, and there have been a couple of Sundays where we had some, some special things going on, but for the most part, we've been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians verse by verse, and we've made it through 10 chapters. And so I'm just saying, you guys did a great job, huh? Why don't you give yourselves a hand? Good job. 
That's the best way that we can learn and teach God's word is going through books of the Bible together because it helps you put all of those pieces together. This, the small mini series that we've been doing for the last several weeks is called Selfless. And it's the whole idea of what does it mean to be a selfless believer? What happens in those situations where we have to take our own freedoms and our own desires and our own wants and our own preferences and we set them aside for the good of other people and for the good of the gospel. And so uh, we're going to be starting this morning in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to be picking up in, in verse 14. But before, before we start reading, I just want to ask you all a question. How many of y'all have a favorite place to eat in town? How many of you guys have a favorite restaurant? All right. Let's see here. Uh, uh, Logan, which one? What is it? Olive Garden. All right. How about anybody else? A local favorite in Alvin? Any, 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 any mom and pops? What do you think, Avery? Chick-fil-A. Awesome. Not very local, but what, what do you think? Happy tacos. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need our happy tacos back. Best, best, best breakfast taco in the whole world. It'll change your life. All right. Have you guys ever gotten into one of those conversations? Have you guys ever talked to Jonathan for five minutes and become a disciple of happy tacos? I mean, he'll just, uh, he'll just talk forever about, all right, how many of you guys have a favorite dish that you like to prepare at home? Or how many of you have a favorite meal that you like your spouse to prepare at home? Anybody? Anybody have a favorite? Yeah, I see some hands there. I, I like to make King Ranch chicken. That's one of my favorite things to make. Food is a big deal in all of our lives. Can I get an amen? I was like, I I've, got a, I've got a sister-in-law and she says, she kind of rolls her eyes and she's like, oh my gosh, whenever I'm around anybody in your family, all you guys ever do is talk about food. And I say, well, yeah, welcome to Texas. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, you know? Food is a big deal. Whether you're talking about favorite places to go out to eat or favorite things that you like to eat at home or maybe even how you eat. You ever uh, had a conversation with one of those people that's like on a new diet and it's like, oh my gosh, I just learned everything about keto I ever wanted to know and then some? or whether it, maybe it's a gluten-free or a vegan thing, how we eat is a big deal too. I know, I know for a fact, as somebody who has recently tried to make some changes in the way that I'm eating, like what you eat has a lot to do with how the rest of your life goes. You know what I'm saying? Have you guys ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Who's heard that before? You are what you eat. Well, this morning, as we look at God's word, I want to kind of flip that around a little bit because Paul is going to talk about some specific situations in the life of a believer where what we eat has a lot to say about who we are. So we're not really going to be talking about what we eat, but we're talking about how we eat and what we eat and where we eat and who we're eating with has to say about who we are. And so we're going to, there's going to be a lot of food discussion this morning. Uh, just as a reminder, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper at the end of the sermon this morning. So if you guys didn't get a chance to, to get one of these little cups on the table when you came in, uh, Brother Jody's going to be in the back. And if you want to just throw a hand up, he'll have a basket uh, for you. And he'll make sure that you get an opportunity uh, when we take the Lord's Supper together. Let's go ahead and dive into the scriptures. You all ready? We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to start at verse 14. And we're going to move fast. All right. So buckle your seatbelts. You all ready? All right. Therefore, my beloved, free from idolatry. Period. Yeah, we've got like 30 verses to cover. So I decided we just read one and stop because that would be the best way to get through it. All right. Flee from 
idolatry. I'm going to stop there because this is kind of the whole point of this passage. You know, if you remember Pastor Lee a couple of weeks ago, he talked about, you know, remember the children of Israel in the wilderness when they got into all kinds of trouble because they were always, even when they were wandering in the wilderness, wilderness under the protection of God, they were going out after other gods. And so he says, brothers and sisters, flee from idolatry. And the first point that I want you guys to think about this morning is that a selfless Christian runs from idols. A selfless Christian runs from idols. Now, how many of you guys, uh, during this week, when you were thinking about all the ways in your life that you were tempted, you guys were like, oh man, I am really tempted to go run down the street and, and worship that other false god at a pagan temple and bow down to, a, to an idol made of stone. How many of you guys went through that this week? Anybody? Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't, put your hand down, David. Yeah, because we live in Alvin, Texas in 2021. So bowing down to gods of wood and stone is not really a th on a high list of things we struggle with, right? That's not really the way our culture operates. Now pause for a second, though. I want you to just think about this with me for a second. Living in the greater Houston area, we live in one of the most diverse cities in America, and maybe those of us that live in Alvin, Texas, and we're, we grew up in this Western culture, we, you know, and we grew up in the Bible Belt, you know, bowing down to idols is not really a thing that we struggle with. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, we are surrounded by people from every tongue and tribe and nation here in the Houston area. And so there's lots of people that didn't grow up in Alvin, Texas, that do come from other places where they do worship other gods. Have you guys ever been on 2351 on the way out to Friendswood? You know, and you're driving along, okay, and it's like the middle of nowhere, and it's like cars on blocks, cars on blocks, cars on blocks, Buddhist temple. You guys seen it out there? They have this gigantic statue of Buddha. It's got to be like a thousand feet high. It's gigantic. And it kind of comes out of nowhere because, you know, you're still sort of in the, middle, in the middle of nowhere. But that's like a really good example how even in Alvin, Texas, even in the Bible Belt, even in our little corner of Houston, you're constantly surrounded by people that do practice other religions. And some of them, it does involve bowing down to literal idols. And so we want to constantly be in prayer for our community, not just our community right here in town, but our greater community where we want to be reaching out and loving and leading all people to new life with Christ, especially people that come from other places and other backgrounds and speak different languages. But for us, idolatry may not involve bowing down to a literal statue. So what we're going to have to do this morning as we figure out what it means to run from idols is we're going to have to ask, what is an idol? What is an idol for those of us that live in Alvin, Texas in 2021? And let me suggest this definition. An idol is something that you worship other than God. It's going to be something that gets in the way of your worship of God and God alone. And by that definition, this is something that we are constantly going to have to be in the business of doing is running away from idols. Think of it like this. There are a lot of things in our life that are good things. But if we elevate them to a place where they're not just a good thing, but they become a God thing, that is a bad thing. All right? So let's think through some options for a minute here. Let's think of some things that are good things that can become God things when they're not in their proper perspective and they're not in their proper priority. Okay? Let's think about things like sports. All right? Uh, when, do the when does the Texan season start? Like next week, right? 
I don't know. I don't know anything about football. But what I know is that starting next week or the week out, Starting whenever the, whenever the Texans start playing, my across-the-street neighbors, they're going to have this gigantic tailgate party that they have in their driveway with their gigantic TV and there's tents. And every year it gets a little bit bigger. I feel like pretty soon my neighbors are going to be watching the game in my driveway. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They have this gigantic Texas logo in their, in their garage. It's kind of awesome. But, you know, but let's say... And you know, and it's a good, sports are a good thing. It's a good thing to have your kids in sports. They learn teamwork. They learn how to, how to work hard. It's good exercise. They learn, there's all sorts of benefits to being in sports. But if you get to a place where you do sports, 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 to the exclusions of things that matter, like, like, like worship, then that good thing can become a God thing, and then it becomes an idol. Let's think of a couple of, a, a couple of others. Career. Many of us, especially guys, man, we can find our identity in what we do for a living instead of finding our identity in Christ. You ask any guy, and ladies, I know y'all, y'all probably do this too, but I, I've noticed especially guys, we have a tendency to do this. Who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm an engineer. Well, I, I work construction. I'm a welder. I'm a pastor. You know, we can easily get caught up. Our identity is in what we do for a living or how many guys we have under us or what our org chart looks like rather than finding our identity in Christ and what Christ has done for us. That's another example of how a good thing, having a career, taking care of your family, providing for your family can become a God thing and then that's a bad thing. I'll go ahead and throw my my favorite one up here, politics. All right. I love politics. I love podcasts. I watch way too much YouTube. I love hanging out on Twitter. All right. And so one of the things that I have done for myself, I've kind of created myself a little little rule for myself that says first thing in the morning when I'm at the gym, before I get started on all that politics stuff and all that culture war stuff and all that stuff that I want to listen to, I try and make sure that I spend some time in God's word first. Because I know if I don't do it first thing in the morning, I'm going to start listening to politics and shows and podcasts, and I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get into the place where I'm listening to God's word. So I try and make sure that I do the Bible first thing in the morning, because I know it's not going to happen later. It's a rule I have for myself to try and help my interest, my hobby, and my excitement about, you know, politics and the culture, war and news and current events and being up on everything that's going on in the world. Make sure that that's a good thing that doesn't turn into a God thing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Brothers and sisters, we want to run from idols. And this is, we're gonna, you're going to encounter them constantly. John Calvin has a quote. He says that the human heart is an idol factory. You see, each and every one of us was created in the image of God in order to worship and glorify God. But we get it all backwards and we spend all our time trying to worship and glorify other stuff. So even as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to constantly be vigilant about making sure that those good things don't become God things. We need to flee from idols. We need to keep running from idols. We need to be in the idol elimination business. Because a selfless Christian runs from idols. I'm going to pick up in verse 15. This is what Paul says. He says, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The, ble- the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, 
We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This is what he's saying here. He's saying a selfless Christian belongs to Jesus. A selfless Christian belongs to Jesus. And the object lesson that he uses, the example, the illustration that Paul uses is when we share this very special meal together. When we come together as believers, we do what's called the Lord's Supper, and we remember the body and the blood of Jesus. We remember the fact that Jesus went to a cross, and he died in our place for our sin, and that he rose on the third day, and we have our eternal life because we've put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. And what Paul is saying there, he says, when you take this meal together, you participate in the body and the blood of Christ. That word that's translated participation in this passage, it's a Greek word, koinonia. And that word, when it's translated elsewhere in the New Testament, it's usually translated the word fellowship. So when Paul is saying we have participation with Christ, we participate in the body and the blood of Christ, he's saying when you come together and take the Lord's Supper, you are having fellowship with Jesus and fellowship with one another. You know, you are saying that you are a part of what Jesus did on the cross. When you come together as the body of Christ, you are remembering what Jesus did on the cross. There is no room in that for allegiance to other stuff, to other religions, to other philosophies, to other idols. Listen to what Paul says. He says, consider the people of Israel. Once again, going back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Remember the children of Israel out in the wilderness, God's chosen people constantly going after idols, okay? He says, are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? You see, I imagine what's going on in Corinth right now. Remember, this is a polytheistic culture, which means there's lots of gods. Every time you go to the, to the union hall, when you go work your job, all right, you, you clock in, and there's a little basket where you put your coin in, and you give a sacrifice to the god that's sitting there right by the door. You're living in a culture where there's gods all over the place. And so you've probably got some people in the church that say, I'm going to worship Jesus on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday, I got all these other guys to worship too. Paul is saying, no, that is not how this is supposed to work. Because a selfless Christian belongs to Jesus. There is no room in your life for allegiance to Jesus and allegiance to all that other stuff that gets in the way of Jesus. And so for us, in 2021 in Alvin, Texas, again, we probably aren't going to be tempted to go literally pay homage to a false god. But again, we have to constantly be on our guard to watch out to get rid of those idols in our lives that are going to, that are going to take us away from doing what God has called us to do, that are going to, that, that are going to take our focus, that where we're going to find, be tempted to find our identity in something else. And we need to get rid of that stuff because we belong to Jesus. 
So I want you to think about this for a minute, just a, a practical way to think about that. How do I identify that stuff in my life that is maybe getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus? How do you spend your money and how do you spend your time? If you look at your bank balance or your online banking software and you look at your day timer or your calendar app, you are going to suddenly see what matters in your life because you're going to see how you spend your time and how you spend your money. And it's going to be hard because you're going to be, holy smokes, we spent how much on what? Oh my gosh, I spend how many hours a week doing X, Y, or Z? You're going to find out really quickly what matters to you, what is a priority in your life. And some of that stuff is good, are good things that have become God things and you got to get rid of them or you got to put them back in their proper place, in their proper priority, in their proper perspective. Because a selfless Christian belongs to Jesus. So Paul has laid out some of these kind of principles for us. We want to get rid of the idols. We don't want to be involved in idols. And, and we belong to him. And the, one of the ways that we show that we belong to him is when we take the Lord's Supper together. And then what he's going to do is he's going to give us kind of some specifics. Now, this next little part is, trick, is tricky. So hang with me, okay, guys? Verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. If you've been with us for several weeks now, you may remember this isn't the first time that this has come up, this whole all things are lawful. This is probably a bumper sticker slogan that they hear all the time in Corinth. The church is like, hey, all things are lawful. Hey, I'm saved by grace. I can do whatever I want. And Paul is like, no, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this is supposed to work. Because a selfless Christian is not just concerned with his own freedom. A selfless Christian builds others up. A selfless Christian builds others up. This is how Paul explains this. He's going to give you sort of some specifics. He says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I, I don't mean your conscience, but his for why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. And some of you guys are sitting there and you're going, huh? Yeah, I'm preaching this passage and every time I read it, I still kind of go, huh? Like, what is he talking about here? Let me see, let me see if I can kind of walk you through this, all right? We belong to Jesus. We believe that there's only one true God and that the, the gods of wood and hay and stone, those are false gods, right? As believers, we believe that. So that means that if, if, there's, a, if there's a piece of meat that's in the supermarket, you don't have to worry about it because you're not going to catch a demon if it was given in sacrifice, right? So when you go to the supermarket, just like we do today, you go to HEB or you go to Kroger, you go grab your cut of meat and you don't spend five minutes wondering where that meat has been. 
all right? No big deal. It's all fine. God is the, it owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and that cow belonged to God before it belonged to you. So you just give thanks and say, thank you, Jesus, for the brisket. If you get pulled pork from Pastor Lee or you get brisket from Greg Ponshock, you just say, thank you, Jesus. You give thanks to God and you just eat up, all right? That's a good thing. But sometimes when you're having dinner with somebody who's an unbeliever and the unbeliever says, hey, uh, I got a great deal on this pulled pork. It was left over from the sacrifice. We, we, we killed the pig and we sacrificed it to Zeus. Eat up. Now, hold on a second. Now, let's just think through this, all right? Your conscience is clear, but is his conscience clear? You see, the reason why this is tricky is because uh, what Paul is doing here is he's involving a little bit of subtlety and nuance. And if there's one thing we are not good at as Americans in 2021, it's anything that has to do with subtlety and nuance, right? We like teams, we like black and white. We like, we want to be on team, always eat the meat in Jesus' name, or team, don't ever eat the meat ever for any reason. That's what we got. You've got these two teams going on in, in, in Corinth, and they've got Facebook groups, and they've got social media posts, and they got bumper stickers, and they got t-shirts, and they're all like, I won't eat, I'm going to eat the meat. I won't eat the meat. And Paul says, hold on a second, let's think biblically about this. And what Paul is going to say, he's going to say that a selfless Christian is concerned with building others up. It's, the issue is not actually the meat. The meat is not the problem. You're not going to get a demon from eating meat that was sacrificed to an idol. But what might happen is you're having dinner with this person who doesn't know Jesus. And when he specifically says to you, he says, you go to their house, they hand you food, you just say thank you and you don't ask questions. But if they specifically say to you, hey, I picked this up at the pagan sacrifice. Well, for them, this, this meal is a part of that pagan sacrifice. And you see, you belong to Jesus. So even though it may be totally fine for you to grab whatever at the meat market and eat it in your own home, now that you're over here in the home of an unbeliever and there's all of these kind of religious connotations involved with this meal, you might have to say, you know what, pass the broccoli. And that's hard. Now pause for a second. I, there's a little piece here that I want to make sure that we don't miss. Okay, because I know, uh, again, we got to kind of put our thinking cap on because it's like, okay, some of this is sort of first century stuff and we're trying to deal with it in the 21st century. It doesn't always translate. One of the things I want to make sure that we don't miss is that Paul is saying, hey, brothers and sisters in Christ, when you go to somebody's house who doesn't know Jesus and have dinner with them, how many of us have relationships with people who don't know Christ that are strong enough relationships that we're going to eat with them? I'm willing to bet that if you're anything like me, those people that you eat with, those are part, those are close relationships. Those are close friendships. And I'm willing to bet most of the time you're eating with people who are other people that know Jesus. And so I want you to just think through for a moment. Think in your head, 
Uh, do I, am I ever in a position where I'm in the home of an unbeliever having dinner with them? If the answer is no, or if the answer is it's been a really long time, or it hasn't, ha or, 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 you know, it's, it doesn't happen very often, think about the ways that you can be intentional about building relationships with people who don't know Christ. That's how we have those opportunities to share Jesus with an unbelieving world. When we build relationships with them, there is only so much gospel you can do in the checkout counter. You know what I'm saying? Like you can talk about what it means to follow Jesus as they're scanning your groceries, but there's only so much that can happen there. In order to, in order to communicate the gospel to people, you need to build and invest time in those relationships. So brothers and sisters, let's be in a place where we're having dinner with people who don't know Jesus, not just people that believe the same way we do. But this is what, this is what Paul says. He says, when you're in that situation, sometimes issues are going to come up where you're going to have to be careful for the sake of your witness. So I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example. Um, Y'all may have good friends and they're fixing to get married, right? And so there's going to be a bachelor party or a bachelorette party. Now, bachelor parties and bachelorette parties, they come in different shapes and sizes and flavors, all right? Now, it used to be a thing where a couple of guys got together on a Friday night, and then the next day was the wedding. Now, they're like weekend extravaganzas where you like go to Vegas or you go to Austin, you go to some other place for like a weekend. And as believers in Christ, you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. This is a big deal. When someone wants you to be a part of their wedding party, they really love and care about you a lot. You don't want to say no to that. But because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, because an unbelieving world is watching, and because you belong to Jesus, you may need to get on the phone with whoever is in charge of planning the itinerary for that activity and say, hey, what all is going to go on when we go do this girl's weekend or this guy's weekend? And you may have to make a hard decision about whether or not you get to go be a part of it. You know, there may be certain things that go on in, that, in, in one of those weekends that, that are totally fine. And there may be other things where they're going to end up at a particular location. They're going to be participating in some activities that you, don't want, that you can't be a part of because you belong to Jesus. And there is no room in our lives for idols, for things that are going to get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be a different person when you're around people who don't know Christ than when you're a person, than the person that you are when you are who, you want to be the same person on Sunday morning that you are Monday through Saturday. You want to be just as excited and on fire for the Lord and have your priorities, the thing of the cost, the gospel and the kingdom of God on Sunday morning. You want that the rest of the week also. We don't want to be two different people depending on who we're hanging out with. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So sometimes we have to say no and sometimes it's going to be hard to say no. Because it might not be meat. It might be, I, I, don't, I can't be a part of this really big deal, like a, like, like a bachelor party or a bachelorette party. Or, or I may have to come later. Uh, y'all go do the Friday night thing and I'll see y'all on Saturday. Because an unbelieving world is watching. Paul finishes this section. He says, so whether you eat or drink 
or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. A selfless people, a selfless Christian glorifies God. We glorify God in the way that we eat. We glorify God in the way that we drink. We glorify God in the way that we work our job. We glorify God in the way that we take care of our family. We glorify God in the way that we share the good news about Jesus with other people. We use a big churchy word to describe what it means to be like Jesus. And that that word is discipleship. And you might kind of scratch your head and say, okay, what exactly is discipleship? It's, that's, a big, that's a big word. It means to be like Jesus. Brothers and sisters, every single one of us should be constantly striving to be more and more like Jesus in everything that we do. Because an unbelieving world is watching. Because there's a world out there that is so desperate for the good news about how Jesus came to save them and to give them eternal life. That's why we want to be imitators of Christ. We want to be constantly conforming ourselves to the image of Christ, to be more and more like Jesus so that the unbelieving world can look at us and say, yes, that's what I want. Paul says, whether you eat or drink, you do it all for the glory of God. And we're going to do that together this morning. So once again, you didn't have a chance to grab one of the cups at the beginning of the service. You just pop your, head, your hand up and uh, Brother Jody will make sure you get taken care of. We're going to come to the table this morning. We are going to participate in the fellowship that occurs when we take the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to go ahead and jump down to, um, jump down a couple of verses to... 1 Corinthians 11. This is what Paul says. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given it, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then he says this, and this is the part that's kind of really important. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. This, this, is what, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, just like he says in chapter 10, when we do this, we are remembering the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose on the third day, and that he's coming back again someday to rule and reign. So if you don't know Jesus, this isn't something that you should be a part of yet. 
Because when we take of the body and the, when we take the, the bread and the cup, we are uh, participating in the body and the blood of Jesus. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would invite you this morning, just kind of watch. Just kind of watch and, and, and see what that looks like. And then I would invite you to, to start asking questions about what it means to follow Jesus. But brothers and sisters, those of us who have placed our faith and our trust in Jesus, I would invite you at this time to take, to take the cup. You're going to peel just the top little layer off. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can go ahead and take your cup and kind of peel that top off. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the beautiful gift of your body and your blood. Thank you that your body was broken on a cross for us. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice, Lord, that you went to a cross and you died for our sin, you died for my sin, you died for the sin of every single person who would ever put their faith and trust in you. Lord, help us to love and to serve you in everything that we do, in everything that we say, in everything that we eat, in everything that we drink. Help us to bring glory to you Lord, help us to run from idols. Help us to take that long, hard look into our lives and get rid of the stuff that doesn't belong and to put the priorities back in place. Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.